Welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And we've got a special treat for you guys today. Uh, we're going to admit when we've been wrong this year. Well, if we've been wrong, Liz. That hasn't been proven yet. It hasn't. It's true. So it's November and we're going to be looking back over over the next couple of weeks at the television that we've seen so far in 2015. And that means of course that we need to, we're going to be making best of lists, that sort of thing. This, however, before we get into that though, it feels like a good opportunity for us to look back at a list we published last January based on a lot, very, very minimal information uh, about the most anticipated shows we were looking forward to in the months to come. Yes, we had 17 of them. And frankly, I'm pretty sure they were all worthy of being on the list because we put them on the list to begin with. So I mean, there there were shows that you had to get excited about based on you know the people who were behind them, based on the people who were in them, based on like how they were being released or just kind of the general buzz about them. But uh, obviously, everything changes as soon as people actually watch the show. Yeah, and I think like that's the most exciting part about television is a show can come out of nowhere and totally surprise you. Uh, from like creators that you've never heard of before and a show that has a ton of talent behind it that has every every possible thing working to its advantage can unfortunately not work as well as it should yes that leads us perfectly into our first show yes we're gonna go through where do we if if you want to follow along at home uh indywhere's 17 most anticipated shows of 2015 is a pretty easy pretty easy thing to google and Google, why can't I say Google today? That's weird. Uh, but it's a pretty Google. easy thing to Google, and uh, you can follow along with us, but we'll tell you what the shows are. So starting off, number one on our list alphabetically was, in fact, American Crime on ABC. Yes, and I believe, was I the only critic who really came out against it? Maybe you, one of, like, three? You came down on it, you, you came down, down against it early, and you came down against it hard. Is, is I think the, are the notable things you watched. I think about four episodes before filing your review, and I'd only seen the first one. I was like, "But the first one was really interesting." And what did you say to me? I I don't know what I said. <laughs> I said oh. it got worse. I don't know. You basically I said th- it was like Crash, uh, yeah. the Paul Haggis film that I don't think anyone really really likes in retrospect. God, yeah, let's not open up the crash debate because I, I, those people still come out of the woodwork and support it. I can't deal with them right now. But yeah, American Crime became just so overwhelming for me, especially when you watch it, uh, you know, in in some sort of binging fashion, or you watch episodes back to back to back. They kept stacking things on top of these characters, making them more and more unbelievable to the point where they just broke, and they they the, the story broke from reality. So like, it just really didn't work at all for me. Um, I actually did end up finishing watching the entire series, not because I wanted to, but because of these other reviews and all this pressure saying this is actually a really, really good show. I was like, all right, maybe they saw more than I did. Maybe I'm missing something. So I finished it out and it just kept going down that same path to the point where you knew nothing good could come out of this. There was nothing productive being said in this discussion. I really just felt like it was slamming us against a wall for no reason, causing a lot of pain and torture. And I really just didn't enjoy the show. So I, I I understand why it's on the list. But yeah, it's definitely not uh, not one of the best of the year. That being said, yeah, because that, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to fight you on that. I've We've had, we actually sent a freelancer to cover a, 
a day long binge viewing marathon I've, that yeah. the academy the academy held, and he too like he was coming from coming to the show from a completely neutral pace, but he too could not get on board. Uh, so I, th- that being said, I'm going to confess something. I am kind of interested in the next season of American Crime. Mostly because I like everything I've heard about the new directions they're taking it. I think the, the the central crime, if you will, is going to be a lot more interesting than what felt at the beginning, like kind of just a random murder situation. I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to yeah, at least watch the first episode. Absolutely. And John Ridley is definitely a talented writer. Um, I think he's got a great mind for this kind of thing. I think he's got a very strong voice, obviously. So, yeah, I mean, he could definitely make some improvements on season two and make this thing worth watching. So it's definitely not something to just be completely dismissed because of the anthology nature of it. But, yeah, I I didn't feel like season one worked out very well, and I'm hoping they kind of make those adjustments for season two. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the cast is returning as well. It's worth noting. And, you know, that means Felicity Huffman and Timothy Hutton back back on screen, and those are good things. Is Regina King coming back? I actually don't remember, but she might. She just won oh, an man. Emmy for being on the first season, so that's yeah. something. I would imagine they'd try to bring her back. Try to bring her back, and she's knocking it out of the park right now on the leftovers. So, I mean, by all means, let's see some more Regina King. Indeed. So, next on our list is something that's actually uh, a little harder to discuss because. I have technically seen the first episode of Angie Tribeca on TBS. However, TBS, that's because I went to South by Southwest this March and where they premiered the first two episodes. And then TBS made an interesting decision. Yeah, that thing got pushed. I mean, they, they not only did it get pushed, but they're going to release it all at once and then release season two a week later, which was just announced, uh, if you're listening to this on Monday last week. Um, and, and, and that's a huge deal. It's going to be this this new kind of binge-worthy uh, cable show or bingeable cable show that's going to be online as well as on TV for that 25-hour marathon premiere thing they're doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, we didn't really get a chance to see it this year, so I think it's still definitely justifiably and a, a most anticipated just now. It's a more of a most anticipated for 2016. Yeah, the, yeah, it's 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 so weird to me, this, this release strategy, but... Uh, I can say having seen, you know, it's been, you know, seven months or something since I saw uh, the first the first two episodes, but they were fun. They were a lot of fun. Uh, the the uh, the major comparison I've heard is to Top Gun, not not Top Gun. Uh, sorry, what's what's that freaking thing called? Uh, the Naked Gun series uh, with kind of that that level of comedy in every frame. And I it was it was thoroughly enjoyable. Well, I definitely, I trust you on it. I mean, with Rashida Jones, it's hard to go wrong. Yeah, she's like playing basically a perfect straight man in this. And given that she was already very good at that in both The Office and Parks and Recreation, seeing her take that to like the this very strict cop trope is great. Well, speaking of cops and bingeable TV shows, that leads us perfectly into Aquarius, which Aquarius. was our third entry on the most anticipated list, and one that I would actually argue succeeded pretty well in that in that bingeable strategy uh, that it put out there, the first broadcast series ever to be released in an all-at-once fashion, full season at once fashion. Um, I actually think it worked pretty well. Did yeah the the binge viewing strategy worked for it pretty well. Do you think that Aquarius is a contender for our best of list of 2015? I wouldn't put it on a best of list, but I definitely put it on a good list. I'd put it on something that I was glad that I watched. I'd put it on something that I'm excited to see season two for. 
Um, obviously, a lot of this is, is David Duchovny and, and kind of just David Duchovny carrying things, but the period elements worked well. Um, the basic story was compelling. I'm still not sold on uh, Geth and Anthony as Charles Manson, but uh, there's a lot of different ways that this story could go. And um, I, I don't know. I, I, I It's one of those where it, it makes it hard. There's so much good TV, like we always talk about. This wouldn't be in a ton of top 10 list, maybe a top 20 or 25 list, though. So, I mean, I, I really enjoyed Aquarius. I thought it was well done. Yeah. You know what I want? I have, I have a couple words for you, Ben. Aquarius season two, Gaius Charles series regular. How great would that be? I'm not saying it's happened. I'm just saying how great would that be? Oh, it would be so great. He actually, I mean, he had a great character as well. Like that wasn't, I mean, he's, he's a fantastic actor. Everybody loved him on Friday Night Lights. He keeps popping up in things and, and kind of stealing some scenes. But he, I mean, his, uh, his Black Panther leader, I mean, he was great. He was a really interesting character and him and Duchovny established a great dynamic. So I'd love to see that. That would be fantastic. Smash, baby. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not, I, I feel like Aquarius didn't really connect with me the way I wanted it to, but I was definitely intrigued by it. And I, you know, did not regret the time I spent watching it, especially because I think, you know, as it gets deeper into the Charles Manson story and as it figures out how to work in the other characters involved, I think there's going to be a lot, there's going to be a lot of potential in season two. Presuming season two actually happens, I get. I'm. A, I'm. We're, as we get to a later entry on this list, we'll talk about season twos and the promises that networks make. Uh, I imagine that Aquarius season two is still happening. There's nothing to say otherwise. But when NBC made the announcement, uh, it was before Aquarius started having real ratings trouble and ended up moving to Saturday nights. So, who knows what will happen. Yeah, but Duchovny's going to be riding that X Files high come 2016, so they're going to want him on. They're going to want him on their network. All the networks are going to want Duchovny after the X Files, of course. He'll probably be on every network. He could totally make that happen with these 10, 13 episode seasons. Yeah, yeah. How he could at the very least cameos. Yes, <laughs> yes. Of what if what if David Duchovny <laughs> cameoed in Scorpion? Him and Robert Patrick together again? No, I can't. I can't watch more Scorpion, Liz. Don't don't put that out there. How, you've only seen one episode of Scorpion. How bad? That was too much. It was too much, Liz. <laughs> oh, Scorpion. Uh, well, speaking of shows that we may disagree on or that we may feel a little bit ashamed about liking, Ballers was also on our list. The Dwayne The Rock Johnson HBO, I guess, sports comedy? Yeah, I, I sports mean, comedy is accurate. Comedy is where I, it kind of seems like a stretch. But, but yeah, it's definitely – it's got some funny moments. Yeah, I mean – I I've I've only I didn't dig into it as hard as you did, but I enjoyed what I saw. And my only real problem is that it's not as goofy dumb as Entourage, which of course is a show I'm very familiar with. Uh, but that being said, like you know, The Rock is a compelling lead, no matter where you put him. Do you feel like the supporting cast kind of came into their own over the course of the season? Well, there were there were two things that surprised me about Ballers in terms of the casting. One, well, Rob Corddry was probably my favorite character on the show. I'm not like I like Rob Corddry as uh, as a guest actor because that's pretty much all he's done. I think he can be really, really funny, but it completely depends on the part that they're putting him in. Um, and I I was expecting to not like this guy. He seemed kind of easy sleazy, and that's usually what I don't like Corddry portraying. But he really won me over throughout the course of the series, and he's an extremely douchey guy. 
But um, the second thing that surprised me was the receiver, who's like the main like athlete on the show, like the main client that kind of causes all the problems and people kind of circle around. That's Denzel Washington's son. And I had no idea that that was Denzel Washington's son. And if you look at him, he looks too short to be a receiver. And he doesn't look much like Denzel, really. And I'm just staring at this guy. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. And then I kind of made sense because I was like, oh, okay, he's Denzel Washington's kid. Pulled some strings, got him on the show. And then I come to find out he actually played college football. Like, he was pretty good. He was a pretty good receiver in football. So he's got, I mean, he's got it all working for him. And, I mean, the show really just kind of had that improbable glow to it as well for me, where I was like, I shouldn't like this. I really probably, there's things that are wrong with this, very wrong with this, but I kind of went along with it. I mean, do you think season two is something that will make our our most anticipated list in 2016? I doubt it, because I think it'll be more of exactly the same. I don't think they've been given any reason to change. Um, the only thing I'd really want them to change was that they started off with a focus kind of going after the NFL a little bit, putting those ideas out there of, of real trauma and, and the dangers of playing the sport. Um, and they really backed off of that as the season went on. But, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't see any, uh, any reason for them to actually go down that darker path. So is it a contender for best of then? No, I'd put it as like a guilty pleasure. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, speaking of things that are decidedly not guilty pleasures, uh, not, because they're just they're just pleasurable. Uh, Better Call Saul made our list. Uh, this list definitely skews, by the way, towards the front half of 2015, mostly because there were shows that we just didn't know existed at, in January 2015. Uh, but Breaking uh, Better Call Saul was definitely one that was on our horizon, uh, very much on our very much on our minds. Uh, I think we I think I may have even actually seen a couple of episodes of Better Call Saul, but when we wrote this list, uh, anyways, point is Better Call Saul. Great show. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've we've talked about it before. It, it's done the kind of the awards awards race well. Um, it's gotten a lot of play. It got good ratings. Odenkirk's getting all the raves he deserves. I mean, there's it's it's a and uh, I mean, yeah, definitely a contender for best of the year. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think what I, th- I mean we've I've said this before, but it had the best episode, one of the best episodes of 2015, and one of the best scenes of 2015. And then the rest of the show is also just very good. Yes, absolutely. And it's, I, think it, I think because of those things, it's a show that we're definitely going to be talking about more later on and that we're definitely going to be excited for for season two. Like That'll definitely be something that we're anticipating next year. Yeah, especially because they constructed season two. They, they were basically aware that they had a two-season pickup right from the beginning, which is why season one is a bit more slow, a bit slower in pacing you might anticipate. And... Season two, though, seems like it could really escalate things quickly uh, to get to whatever ending place they want to go, either to lead them into Breaking Bad or to lead them into a third season. Yeah, and I, I mean, there's a lot to be excited about with this show, and that's a huge part of it is kind of where it fits along kind of the Breaking Bad timeline and how much they're going to go beyond that or, or up to it. Um, and how much background they want to give us you know, on this person. It's, it's really an exciting show, and it's really, really well done um, just from top to bottom. So, yeah, I Better Call Saul will definitely be among the contenders for best of the year. Yeah. Uh, but And, to, and now, now we've reached uh, moving on to a show that I, was, I just alluded to a couple, a couple of shows ago, uh, The Brink on HBO, which we were I – had, I had very high expectations for this one. Uh, going in because it was an it was a great idea 
for a show, like the idea of like doing kind of a Doctor Strange love esque political thriller, doing it on HBO, a show that a network that knows how to support ideas like this, cast including uh, Tim Robbins, Jack Black, and the guy from the the porn stash from Orange Is the New Black, and Carla Carla Gugino, tons of is that is that Isai Morales, like great talent involved with this show. Yeah, absolutely, and and honestly, uh, to kind of loop this in with the next one on our list, I feel the exact same way about Bloodline. Uh, in the terms of you know everything about the show leading up to it, I was really really excited about, especially you know obviously the cast with Kyle Chandler, Sissy Spacek, um, Ben Mendelsohn, who like people kind of discovered through Bloodline, but he was always this great actor. He's been terrific for a long time. Um, and then you know Netflix knows how to do these kind of dramas. The the creators were behind Damages, so you were hoping they kind of you know were able to control this and, and put out a really intriguing product and. And yeah, I kind of ended up feeling about the same way about both of them. Maybe a little bit higher on Bloodline, but not much. But yeah, The Brink was a little disappointing for me. Um, it just didn't really hook you. It just never really found characters or scenarios that were that were as gripping as kind of the pace wanted it to be. And then with Bloodline, it was almost the opposite, where the characters were great but the pacing and the structuring of it kind of delayed things too much, and it just never really sunk in. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I Both of these were a little bit of a miss for me. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, they were definitely ones that had on paper reasons to get really excited. Yeah, I think with uh, The Brink, uh, this is a shout-out to my dad, who was really interested in The Brink and kept watching it. And then eventually he just kind of emails me, and he's like, I think the problem is Jack Black. And I think in general, like, I think The Brink is a really interesting example of a show where if you can't, if you, if, if you don't genuinely like or hook into any of the characters, then it's, it's not, the show, the, the show just can't recover from that. Like, it doesn't matter how great you're executing every other element. If you can't like the characters, uh, then you're kind of screwed. Like, Azif Mandiv, God, am I saying that right? I don't. I don't know. You're asking the wrong person. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I, I believe, but Azif Mandiv is probably the most likable character on The Brink season one. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, and you know him and his family are really great, but also they are very much secondary characters to the white men who are at the center of the show. And maybe that's maybe that's a statement of its own kind, like the fact that you know maybe the quasi unlikable male white male protagonist is kind of on the outs and certainly HBO isn't put is has taken back its decision to give the show a season 2 uh that was something speaking of season 2s that were announced and then taken away uh which is sad for the people involved with the brink but also you know that's those are resources that go towards other programming yeah, which is probably a good idea. I mean, The Brink didn't really stir up any awards buzz or even really any buzz to begin with at all. So, I mean, I think HBO is is very smart in their programming and they'll figure out kind of a good way to to spend that money and put it in a, in a positive direction that'll get them a little more traction than The Brink did. Um, and with Bloodline, there's no way... I mean, season two is happening. Netflix is committed to that. It got pretty good reviews. It got good awards traction at the Emmys. So Netflix you know, probably considers this a pretty valuable show. I think that it could definitely improve in its second season. There's just so much talent there that it's that it's hard to you know deny the opportunity that that's sitting there. But for me, it's going to be one of those kind of second tier programs until it comes up with uh, more moments, more consistent 
powerful moments uh, like the one that was saved until I think the very last episode, which which was kind of the crux. And and you knew that was coming, and you're just waiting for it for too long. Right. I will say that Bloodline I think has had traction amongst viewers in a way that has really impressed me, to be frank. Like, that show premiered last March, and I still have people coming up to me and talking about it. Like, it's, I mean, people that, and it also, like, it has its really hardcore fans, like our good friend Ann Thompson uh, is a huge fan of that show. So I think, yeah, I think it'll be, it's 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 a good one to keep tracking. And, you know, who knows, maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's near Aquarius on your uh, best of 25 list. Yeah, I mean, Bloodline for me is is one of those where I feel like it really benefited from being bingeable in the sense that people who watched it straight through could forgive the fact that a lot of episodes just didn't have much going on. They weren't that memorable, or they kind of were redundant, or you know, they're they're just the plot lines weren't as gripping because you could just kind of keep going until you got to the secrets. Whereas if this had been on network TV, I don't think it would have survived. I think people would have lost interest and drifted away after a while. But yeah, one man's opinion. So speaking of drifting away after a while, the next one on our list kind of falls into that category for me. Blunt, Blunt mm. Talk on Stars was a show I was really looking forward to, and I think you you probably were looking forward to it even more than me. Uh, did you end up finishing the first season though? Uh, I actually haven't. I've I watched a couple episodes just ooh, maybe a week or two ago, so I've probably seen about seven. I think. Um, but I agree. It was one of those that I really enjoyed when I watched the first four. Uh, I gave it a very positive review because I, I found it very deserving. I still do. I still think it's a very good show. I think it's very well made. I think Patrick Stewart is tremendous in that lead role. And I love the dialogue that, uh, that the, that the creator of board of death, Jonathan Ames kind of creates for these characters. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one that kind of slipped, kept slipping back in my queue as more and more shows kept coming out. Yeah, fortunately, this is a good time of year for us to catch up with things, revisit, that sort of thing. So Blunt Talk could be a serious contender for best of the year, depending on how it ended. But yeah, it didn't... And maybe this is the a factor of it being on Stars and Stars being a hard network to track, uh, or a hard, hard, hard network to build buzz around. But certainly, uh, certainly uh, you know, Blunt Talk definitely, I think, slipped through a lot of people's uh, radars. Yeah, I would agree. I didn't. I, it didn't get much pickup, and that that was one that they gave a two season order for right off the bat as well. So we know there's a season two coming for this. Um, kind of what they'll do to reconfigure and try to gain more buzz will be interesting to me. Uh, I would imagine they'll try to bring in a few more guest stars like they did in season one. Um, but yeah, I mean Patrick Stewart is so good in this that it's hard for me to say anything too negative about it because it's really just really. It's fun to watch him. He's just uh, doing something that you haven't really seen very much, and 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 Stewart is such a talent and such a commanding presence on screen. It's it's hard to say no. Well, and it's also what's glorious about what he's doing on Blunt Talk is he's it is everything you've come to expect from Patrick Stewart: the gravitas, the the dignity. But then he is also so at a certain point so vulnerable and so ridiculous and so brave about it. Like it's not that you know it's it's. Um, you know he's not fighting a war except for the scenes where he's pretending to fight a war point is it's 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 a bravery that you know patrick stewart could easily not bother with he could coast easily going forward with his career and instead he's taking real chances like this 
Yeah, that's. I mean, it's it's very admirable and it's it's exciting and it's kind of one of those reasons where you watch TV. Like if you're just a fan of the actor, that's good enough reason. But you're a fan. I mean, I hope there's a lot of fans of Ames out there um, who are glad to see him in working again in this in, in television specifically because it's just it's a great thing to watch. It's a great thing to listen to. It's a great thing to engage with. Um, and and I think it's something that is good or might play a little bit better if you're binging it, might play a little bit better if you're kind of going through it one by one and just appreciating being in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of brings us to Daredevil, which for <laughs> me, I did not have that feeling for. I did not really appreciate any kind of magnetism coming from the actors as much as I appreciated the world. Like I liked, I liked the New York City they presented, even though it was a little bit inaccurate at times apparently, but I... I I don't know. Daredevil just didn't quite do it for me. Yeah, I I was definitely a bigger fan of Daredevil than you, and I think part of it is I'm I'm you know we've talked about this I think a little bit before where you know you kind of you kind of you're an easy touch for DC characters. I probably am more biased towards Marvel, though I love me some Justice League. Don't get me wrong. Point is, this was in my wheelhouse. I thought it delivered a lot of really exciting things. I think there's some standout moments in Daredevil beyond just, you know, beyond like the obvious things that people call out, like the fight scene at the end of episode two that you don't like. Oh, uh, that's so bad. I- I'm sorry. Like I admire all of the, all of the camera work, but just the stunts, like the stunt work is awful. Those phantom punches just completely take you out of the scene. Can't you? I mean, I don't know. I, that one was a huge disappointment for me because I kept hearing about it until I finally got around to seeing it. And then ugh, that was. Yeah. I know. I'm sorry, Ben. But the point is, like, Vincent D'Onofrio does give a great performance. And, uh, you know, Rosario Dawson's incredible. And I really am. I mean, we we, have, we it triggered a lot of really interesting discussions uh, is, I think, the cool thing about Daredevil. Like, you know, is uh, Elder Henson a good actor or not? Uh, that was a really that was a that was a debate that went on for a surprisingly long time. Uh, but I really liked uh, elements that he brought to the character of that he was playing. I don't know. Thing is, Daredevil, I think, was at least a decent enough entry into a decent enough beginning for what Netflix is planning with its Marvel series. It's certainly kicking off. It's certainly what is making Jessica Jones possible. And speaking of most anticipated shows of like lifetime. Uh, and uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to season two. I think they've got some interesting stuff planned. Uh, they're bringing in the Punisher, which is a cool idea. Uh, there's probably going to be more interconnection between the other Marvel shows. And Oh, great. Yeah, I know. You love it, Ben. You love it so much. You love television. Uh, that, has to make, that makes you have to watch other television in order to yeah, understand it. I like, yeah, I like to be dependent on watching 10 hours of something else to understand one hour of one thing. But yeah, I'm much more excited for Jessica Jones than Daredevil season two. Yes. But something that this is something that we only recently discovered really paid off. Uh, we, though we have it as the wrong title on our list, uh, Ash versus Evil Dead on Stars. Speaking of, this is one that Stars actually, I think, got some buzz behind. Yeah, I think Ash versus Evil Dead played pretty well. And that, that PR department behind it really worked hard to make sure that it did. I uh, I honestly I haven't looked up the ratings. I haven't gotten any buzz back on actual reports for it, but I think it's doing fine. Uh, it should do spectacularly with fans. Um, anybody who liked the Evil Dead series, and of course we're talking about the originals from Sam Raimi, should just adore that pilot. It's it's such a perfect follow up to the movies. I I can't imagine anyone being upset with it. 
and it, it launches into a pretty good series. We've seen, I've only seen the first two episodes. I think they're they're only getting ready to air the second episode this Saturday, right? So the Saturday, if you're listening now, before yeah this yeah. So we've got a long way to go to make sure that it's you know as good as the pilot you know sets it up to be. But it's definitely very promising. Yeah, and this is unexpectedly this is kind of the November is kind of the month of Bruce Campbell because Bruce Campbell is also going to be appearing on a little show called Fargo. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's, it's actually, it is great to see him as Ash. And I think I can get away. I think I can mention this without any spoilers. I've seen next week's Fargo. Bruce Campbell is there. He's playing a different character than, say, a, zomb- a, a one-armed, zomb- a one-handed zombie killing machine, and it is a different level of performance and a different level of nuance, uh, which is always—it's always great to have like right back to back contrasting performances for one actor. Uh, and so I, yeah, I remain very impressed by Bruce Campbell as always. Yeah, I, th- I think his character for Fargo has been out there for a while, but I won't I won't spoil it in case you haven't heard. It is it is something I'm eagerly anticipating. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm I'm excited. Bruce Campbell's got a voice uh, out in TV again. I'm excited that Sam Raimi got invested in the medium because he's such an inventive director, especially when it comes to horror. That it's just exciting to watch that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I think there's I think there's a lot of promise for Ash vs Evil Dead, and by the end of the year, it could definitely be a contender for my top ten list. It was scarier than I thought it'd be. I was scared. They've always balanced that so well. Raimi has such uh, an inherent understanding of when to make things funny and when to make things truly scary, and kind of you know just bouncing those off of each other, and, and the contrast that those have, and the power of that to elevate each other is just incredible. And he, he does it really, really well in that first episode. True. True. Uh, completely different. Uh, there's no good transition from this, from, from Ash <laughs> versus Evil Dead to this next show, which is Grace and Frankie. Uh, the Marta Kaufman created a sitcom about two women who find that their husbands are in love with each other. And with one of probably the better, just flat out best casts of a new show in 2015. Oh, yeah, by far. I, I mean, mean, we're was... cheating. We're cheating with that with that statement because it's Jane Fonda, Lindy, Lily Tomlin, Martin Sheen, and Sam Waterston. Yeah, and that's really that's just I can't even put it into words. That's such a good cast. I'm so, and I love this show. I actually really, really enjoyed Grace and Frankie. It didn't quite get uh, the reaction that I think Netflix was hoping to, especially from the awards, uh, you know, segment. I, Lily Tomlin got nominated, but it was that was about it. Um, I really thought that Grace and Frankie produced a lot of quality episodes, uh, some, some stuff, some engaging topics, some, uh, some kind of character development in, in, into areas that we just don't usually explore with television, which is, again, something very exciting for new series that are coming out when there's so many TV shows out there. Um, I, I don't know. I thought this really worked well. I'm very interested to see where season two goes. I I don't know if they're going to try to make changes to to appease you know a wider audience or you know to appease awards voters or whatever's. But I really liked it liked it as it is. Yeah, I think the big thing with Grace and Frankie is that it's sitcom like Marta Kaufman's sitcom roots were really showing through in certain episodes. There's certain there like there were definitely moments of banter within episodes that felt very very much waiting for a studio laugh track that didn't happen. Uh, that being said, like if if I think if season two commits more fully to the drama that 
is really inherent to its premise, then it's going to be probably, um, probably really remarkable. Yeah, you're right. The pacing was something that you kind of had to get used to. And it was a little bit of a, there were, there were spots, like you said, there were those moments where you're kind of like, okay, this needed to move a little bit quicker. You could have edited this a little bit tighter. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it all kind of came together for me over the course of the season. So I, I, maybe they're just all set to go for season two. But yeah, you're, you're right. I'll be interested to see where they go. Yeah. Uh, moving along. Uh, oh, happy-ish. Showtime's happy-ish. Speaking of shows that you were, where you were the lone critical descent. Yeah, and shows that aren't getting a season two. That one yeah. got canceled. So what is this, is this I think the first it, one? I think the first one on our, is, no, Brink got canceled as well. Um, well, yeah, yeah. It got a season two and then it got canceled. This one just got straight out canceled. And yeah. frankly, I'm, I'm still a supporter of this. I especially like the early episodes. Um, kind of the brash attitude of it won me over. But I could see where it would be taxing for others, like where it would just be a little much over the course of a 10-episode season. Um, it's a strong-willed attitude. It's it's something that has a pessimism inherent to it that's contrasted with a little bit like touches of optimism, but only in a very insular-focused space of like the family itself. It's it's a very interesting show. I thought it had a lot of good ideas, but it's it's maybe just for a too minute portion of the population. And. I think the thing, the, th- the problem is, I think it never was able to escape the question of what would the show have been like if Philip Seymour Hoffman hadn't passed away and actually ended up starring in it. I would actually disagree with that. I mean, I, I that definitely was a thought that was in my mind for the first episode. But after that, I thought that Coogan very, very ably embodied this character. Like he, he really kind of made it his own. And it made it hard for me to actually think of what Seymour Hoffman would have done with it. Like I'm sure he would have been fantastic, but at the same time, I I just really appreciated Coogan in this role. So I don't know. I I that was not a problem for me when I was watching it. But you know, like I said, I'm or like you said, I'm one of the few people who gave it a positive review. So maybe that was what was hampering other people. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're we're almost we're almost through this bed. Just a few more shows. Uh, speaking of which, Last Man on Earth. Last Man on Earth. Yeah, that was that's. <laughs> Last Man on Earth is an interesting show for me to discuss because I, for every positive thing I want to say about it, especially the first season, I almost have like a like a backhanded compliment or or just a negative to go with that positive uh, to go along with it. I don't know. I uh, tell me what you thought of Last Man on Earth was. I think that it was right to be on our most anticipated list. I think it's got comp- elements that will make it a contender for various top various of our top 10 of the year list, whatever those lists might end up being. Last year we did uh, 15 biggest dick moves of 2014. So who knows what kind of madness we will get into by the time we get into the best of lists. Uh, Phil Miller would definitely make that list. Oh man, actually, yes, he would, of all the, of all the people who make committed dick moves on television, 2015, uh, the lead character of last man on earth was very much on that list. Yeah, he could have his own list of dick moves, like his just the top ten Phil Miller dick moves of of twenty fifteen. Yeah. yeah, I mean the th- yeah. the show committed fully to having a committed fully to its premise. It well, with some exceptions, uh, like say having other characters evolved. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 it remains a really interesting show, and it remains a show that seems to be trying to be trying to do something smarter than you might necessarily think it needed to. 
So I appreciate the fact that it's not trying to coast, that it's try- that it's it's taking chances. Yeah, and it seems for me what's what's important to it right now uh, for the latter half of, of 2015 and its second season, it really seems to be focusing solely on making Phil Miller a likable person, which goes back to kind of talking about those 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 characters that are just you know unlikable and uh, you know not not antiheroes necessarily, but kind of in that vein where there's just you have to overcome a lot to root for them and you have to invest in their story almost despite who they are as a person, they're trying to change that with this show. They're trying to make this guy atone for his sins and become a better person, and that's something you can invest in. When he's actively trying to do the right thing, instead of trying to do the wrong thing for the wrong reasons, it makes it a much more compelling show. Um, so I feel like they're headed in a great direction for this. I feel like it it could really blossom into some of the best stuff on TV. And Will Forte is just so smart, you can definitely never write it off. Yep. Speaking of things we can write off, I'm just going to, let's just say, uh, this, when we put the slap on from NBC on this list, uh, it was it was January. The first episode hadn't <laughs> been released yet. It had a really good cast, an interesting premise. We had a lot of good reasons for putting it on this list. Lisa Cholodenko is a great yes. director. Yeah. And let us never speak of it again. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> Yay. That was a good show. Oh, it's a great show. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. That's one. Uh, speaking of binging shows, I can. I've I've watched it. Uh, I think three times now. Wow. And I wasn't even a huge fan of it the first time. Like I, I really liked it and I admired it more than I was invested in it. But as I kind of kept going through it again and again, I really grew much more attached to it and and kind of picked up on some of the smaller things that. That are there, uh, you know, in the, in the small, quick little moments that, that Tina Fey and Robert Carlock always invest in their shows. And I, I love Kimmy Schmidt now. Like that's a that's a definitely a contender for a top ten list. I'm really glad to hear you say that because I remember when I, I remember I, I was ahead of you and I when when I was like very excited for you to hit episode eleven, which is I think my favorite episode of the series. And when you got to it, you're like ah yeah, and I was like ah, but no, it's so good. And so, yes, that was, this was all very coherently explained just now by me. Uh, but yes, I, I'm just going to share my favorite detail right now about Kimmy Schmidt, which is that uh, a, a really great cosplay game that I, I've seen a couple of people do online is a cosplay as Kimmy Schmidt at, co- at Comic Cons and then go around trying to find knockoff uh, Iron Man to pose with. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Some of them get uh, it, some of them don't. It's really great every time. Because it's just like this girl, this redheaded girl in a yellow sweater comes running up to you. It's like, can I pose with you? Um, and then the Iron Man either do get it or don't get it. I would not. I, I'll admit, I would not pick up on that in the like, 10 minutes or something, and I'd probably figure it out. But yeah, I'm not that quick. That's pretty great, though. Yeah. Uh, next on our list, Wayward Pines. Ben, yeah, and- you did the deep dive on Wayward Pines. I went full binge on Wayward Pines. I hadn't, I think I saw the pilot when it first, like before it aired, and then I stopped. I was interested. I liked it, but I, I just got distracted. And then before the finale, I was like, all right, I'm getting into this. I want to write about Wayward Pines. I went all the way through it, and I got to that really expository episode where basically Hope Davis just sits children down and explains to them everything that's happening in the show. And with I a think PowerPoint my, presentation? With a PowerPoint presentation, you are correct. I think my mind just snapped, though. I, I honestly think it just kind of, it, 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 the circuit just kind of fizzled, 
and I just was gone from then on out. Like I, it really was a strange television show, but it didn't pay off on that strangeness. Like it didn't kind of follow through on its promise. It almost tried to boil it back down to something easy and simple and very broadcast uh, instead of kind of you know taking hold of its of its supposed limited series roots instead of you know trying to keep things open for a season two. I'm very sorry that about that, Ben. Yeah, I'm I'm an M Night Shyamalan defender, so I'm I'm always struggling for these kind of things to to kind of work out or, or struggling to to argue for them. But this was one that I just I couldn't do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is is it has it gotten a second season or is it just kind of in flux right now? I think it. Oh God! I think it did. I want to say that it did, but maybe it's still in flux. I'm not yeah. sure. I, I'm pretty sure it got such good ratings. I'd be surprised if it didn't. Okay. Well, I mean, this 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 uh, list of ours kind of ends on uh, with a whimper, not a bang, because unfortunately, this is one of the two shows that ended up not premiering in 2015 the way we had anticipated they would. Uh, but. I think Westworld's going to be on our most anticipated 2016 list, even more so now, actually. Yeah, of all the shows that got pushed back, uh, Westworld was one that I'm dying to see. And, and HBO, I mean, they've given us a teaser and a little bit of a trailer, but uh, I cannot wait to see more of this. It is such a fascinating show. That cast, that premise, that creator, I mean, it could it's it's the perfect embodiment of every we, everything we've talked about today. Like, I, There's so many reasons to get excited for it, yet we cannot make a definitive decision until we see it. Yep. I mean, certainly the t- teasers look promising, intriguing. I, I'm, I, I think that there's a lot, a lot. Everything I've heard rumor-wise about the way they're approaching this premise uh, is very exciting. Uh, also, by the way, Ben, I looked up Wayward Pines. It looks like season two is off the table. Oh no, that's so sad. Yes, it could. We could be wrong. Who knows? But it looks like uh, the ending we got is the ending we got. No, that's more than fine with me. Though nothing is canceled in this day and age of television. Certainly nothing was fall. We uh we we are we we live in an age without cancellation. We just live in an age where they cut your orders and then strike your sets. Uh if you want to look at something sad, uh Google Truth Be Told set and you will get a photo of uh the the, the sets for this NBC sitcom that got its order reduced and then has been literally wiped off the face of the earth. Very, very true. And speaking of speaking of shows that maybe people aren't watching, Liz, what was the best thing you saw last week? Good question, Ben. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have I have two things here with question marks by them. One is I found myself really we we reviewed all the Amazon uh, new Amazon pilots this week, and the one I gave the highest grade to was a period drama called Good Girls Revolt that. A day or two later, I'm still kind of thinking about and still intrigued by. And it's it's a tough show to properly evaluate because Mad Men is just basically kind of owns that decade at this point. But uh, setting, you know, kind of structuring a new show about the 1960s, specifically 1969. uh, The first episode has a lot to do with Altamont. and giving it a real lady focus, a, a real focus on female characters kind of dealing with the sexism of the era. Uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff to it, and I kind of genuinely hope it goes forward. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you mentioned that, because honestly the best thing I saw this week was 
Tig Notaro's Amazon pilot for One Mississippi. I I mean to to say it's like a a perfect pairing with Transparent or the best Amazon pilots that's Transparent isn't quite doing it justice because it's very much its own thing. It's got vibes of Louie going on in there and he's an executive producer. Um, but it's it's very much her voice and it's it's one of those strong, clear voices that's also very passive and lets you kind of slip right inside of it. And it's such a hard half hour of comedy, uh, you know, about this this woman who's going home to take her mother off of uh life support and her, you know, kind of trying to bond with her stepfather and, and her brother and, and getting through this time and then you know, obviously dealing with her own stuff as well. Um, but it's really, really poignant and funny and well-crafted. Uh, I honestly can't recommend it enough. I, I love this pilot. I, if it doesn't get picked up, I'll be shocked and I can't wait to see more. So, I mean, yeah, this one's, this one's a good one. Yeah. I, I actually did also watch that one. Uh, and I mean, I think I, I am just like, this is brutal, which is not something you normally say about a comedy pilot, but it's so intimate and so personal and that makes it genuinely great television i think yeah it's kind of hard to talk about too because i honestly don't when i say it's hard to watch and when you said it's brutal i almost balk at that because i slipped right into it very easily it's it's but it's also the subject matter is so difficult and it can be so personal and it can definitely you know trigger some memories for people who you know maybe don't want to you know watch this sort of thing with their television but at the same time i mean it's so well put together and so well written that you kind of just step into this world and you're just there it's it's easy in that sense so i'll be very interested to see kind of the reaction to this as a whole for sure so uh what's the next thing you're looking forward to ben the next thing i'm looking forward to liz is the next episode of the leftovers (laughs) because gosh darn it this show is so freaking good. I know I've never said that before, and I know I've never gotten me. excited about it. And I know we've made these jokes before that we don't talk about the leftovers when we only talk about the leftovers. But for the love of God, last night's episode, uh, I thought the one with Christopher Eccleston was great. And then I watched last night's, and not only were like the actors just on fire and the screen just blazing with their intensity – but so many, so many secrets were revealed. Like so many little snippets of of te- like things that were teased in the earlier episodes came to light, and that was so satisfying. And then so much more was set up down the line, and this kind of battle has ensued for these people's lives. I, I just there's so much going on in that show, and I I love it so much. I can't wait for the next one. Oh, all right. I'm done geeking out. Liz, tell me what the next thing you're looking forward to is. It's the leftovers. Okay, let's keep talking about it. Um, I was just going to mention that I, I, thinking about the season as it currently stands, this is the episode that aired Sunday night. This that aired Sunday night is episode six. There are four more episodes, Ben. Yeah. I know. Um, and I, I do not. I just don't know what else can happen. I mean, everything could happen, I guess, is the answer to that question. But, man. What makes it such great TV, Liz, when you don't know what's coming next, but you can't wait to see it. And then when everything that you're watching actually makes sense. Like, as it's happening, you're surprised by it, but you're also, you also understand it. You can see how it reached from point A to B and the decisions they're making. They're so honest, their characters. 
and they have such an understanding of the situation and how it would affect them, it, it's creating this just brilliant television. I, I can't say enough good things about it, yeah. obviously. Obviously. Um, but the real answer is, so I, I am looking forward to The Leftovers as it continues forward. I, Perfect. I, All right. See everybody next week. Um, I am go- going to shout out, though, uh, that we, I'm looking for, the next thing I am actually genuinely looking forward to that is new and exciting is uh, The Expanse, uh, which is a sci-fi series that is releasing, I believe, at least one episode in advance of its December premiere date coming for- going forward. And it's, I think it's a show we're going to be talking about a little bit more uh, because I want to get your, I definitely want to get your perspective on it, Ben. It's smart sci-fi on a level that sci-fi has, what used to be called the sci-fi channel, hasn't really committed to in a while. Uh, It's got a great cast. It's got a lot of production value behind it and uh, could genuinely take on the mantle of, I mean, it's going to get people are going to call it the next Battlestar Galactica that might not be the right comparison point but there's a lot of intrigue to it that I think we're going to want to discuss well I'll see if I have time to get to it after I write 10,000 words about the leftovers but whatever Liz I'm sure you'll make the time yeah I will no that sounds that sounds really exciting I'm I'm a big fan of of sci-fi done right just as we're big fans of everything done right around here but um there's something about that that science fiction universe that opens up a lot of possibilities when you have the right creative minds behind it. Yeah. Uh, and the right, the, I mean, I got to talk to those creative minds a lot at TCAs, uh, ended up accidentally kind of talking to them for an hour about science fiction. And nice. uh, we're going to gonna figure out a way to make sure you guys get to read pretty much all of that. There's a lot of discussion about hats. Let's, let's, <laughs> I'll just say that. Hats are very important. Uh, especially As the, always in the uh, sci-fi world. Especially the Thomas Jane. Well, of course. Um, and you'll get to read about that and so much more at IndieWire.com where you can find reviews, interviews, features, and whatnot and so forth about uh, all the TV shows that we're watching and all the TV shows that you need to watch or don't need to watch, as the case may be. And if you are interested in learning about movies that you need to watch but maybe won't go see, then definitely make sure you listen to Screen Talk Podcast with Antonis and Eric Cohn. They're going to give you all of the movies that you don't have time to go watch, but you should try to make the time to see. Um, And then if you have additional time for that, make sure you listen to Dana Harris's, our editor-in-chief's, Into Our Influencers podcast, where she's talking with everybody in the industry who's interesting and exciting, is on the cusp, is, is pushing the boundaries for things. It's a fascinating podcast. Make sure that you have the time to listen to that, too. Yep. And you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. And you can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet. That's with an I and an E. That's correct. Uh, we will be back next week because it is a week with a Monday in it. And <laughs> in the meantime, keep watching television.